I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in wonder. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Class A Film Club podcast. Yes, here we are once again. We're in a new series and it's the first conversation episode of the series. Yes, of course, we've lined up a whole new bunch of creative individuals from the world of film, TV, video and all other connected areas to sit down, have a little chit chat with me and share all their insights and goodness into everything creative. And today is no different as we always get the good guests on and we've got another fantastic one lined up for you today. My conversation today is with writer, director and poet Luke Morgan. First met Luke about a year or so ago at Worcester Film Festival where he won the Best Director Award for the first two years of the festival, 100% record, that takes some doing and we bonded over films, his films in particular and a nice little chit chat whilst we were there and ever since I thought I'd love to get this guy on the podcast and hear about his process of filmmaking, how he got going in the industry and what his future plans are and anything he's working on at the moment and we absolutely dive into all of that throughout this conversation. He's got an amazing body of work, including films such as The Butterfly Love Song, which I actually saw at Worcester Film Festival before I met him, and it was one of my favourites of the festival. I'm definitely not just saying that, it stood out to me, and I actually interviewed him whilst at the festival and realized halfway through the interview he was the director of that film so I was slightly starstruck um, he's also released other great films such as Peggy and the feature length film Sooner or Later which was out a few years back but plenty of other projects in the pipeline as we get on to I also talked to Luke about his creative partnership Morgan Brothers with his brother Jake who collaborate on all their creative endeavors find out how that partnership works what it's like to work so closely creatively with a family member how they get projects going pros cons everything to do with that that was fascinating i was dead intrigued to find out what that setup was like and he really shares all his insights on that front we also go on to chat about their latest release the bolts which is doing the rounds at film festivals so hopefully you'll be able to see that if you're at a film festival in the coming months and year and maybe it'll get a release as well but he tells us all about that and their filming process in nepal which was fascinating it sounded like an unbelievable trip the reason i really wanted to get luke on the podcast and what i think is really great about him as a creative and a filmmaker is his energy and just how deeply he feels about the power of film his creative pursuits like through speaking to him i really felt that energy pouring out and you can see how he pours it into his project and you can't help but be enthused by speaking to someone like that who has so much passion for what they do and who feels so connected to everything they come up with develop and put out there in the world I mean, I was highly enthused after speaking to him and it just makes you want to go out and produce more films yourself, get into creative endeavours and pour that passion into it. And that's absolutely what I feel films should be. We talk about this loads on the podcast, how film is more than just a piece of entertainment. It can bring people together. It can be an outlet for passion, creativity, bigger ideas. And this absolutely comes through in what Luke looks to do in pouring himself into a project it's not just a job for him it's absolutely more than that and you can feel that in the way he talks about film and the way he thinks about his creative processes and as i said i got plenty out of this conversation as you'll hear through the energy excitement all the questions i had from him and i hope all you listening to feel just that drop of enthusiasm and it inspires you all to go out there and do your own thing and get stuck into your own projects. This conversation was recorded towards the end of July this year. Any eagle-eared listeners out there might recognise Luke's voice, as I said from my recording that I did from the Worcester Film Festival 2022 special episode. We like to keep the through lines going on this podcast. Guests keep coming back. So he must have thought my interviewing technique wasn't too intrusive to start with as he he returned for this full-length episode. So let's hope he'll come back once again in the future and I haven't put him off for life. But that's enough from me. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Luke Morgan. Luke, hello. How are you doing? Thank you for joining me for having a nice little chat today. Thanks very much, Marcus. Yeah, looking forward to it. 
Absolutely. Well, I'm just going to give the the listeners a little bit of a recap of where we met as for all the eagle-eared listeners of the Glass A Film Club podcast would have heard you pop up on the Worcester Film Festival special edition podcast we released uh, earlier on. Well, last year it would have been actually now going back to October of 2022 where you picked up Best Director Award at uh, Worcester Film Festival for the second year in a row. We had a little chat there um, whilst we were there for the weekend and that's where we first got chatting. I saw one of your films at Worcester the year before at the first festival, the Butterfly Love Song, love that and then the realization of when I spoke to you in the interview that it was actually you that directed it all came together so we wanted to have this chat for a while and uh, get a full conversation episode locked in so as I say thank you for joining me but I just want to start off as I do when we have any of these chats of how did you get into the world of film what was your inspiration and how did you just think you know what film's the world for me I want to start making uh, content and getting out there yeah, it's a good question. Um, when I was uh, younger, when I was a kid, myself and my brother, we didn't have TV stations. So um, what we did have was this a lot of free time and uh, a big capacity for boredom. So we had this and we also had this large VCR kind of old style camera like that would record directly to a big VCR tape. Um, I'm not sure why it was lying around the house. Our parents had it for some reason, but um, we decided that one day together with our friend Joseph, uh, we were going to start making like little miniature films with this. And um, there was really no other motivation. There was It wasn't like there was a girl in our class we were trying to impress. It wasn't like our parents were filmmakers. Uh, it wasn't we weren't making it for, you know, YouTube wasn't a thing back then. So it wasn't like we wanted to kind of get external validation from a host of online you know viewers or strangers we were just really doing it to entertain ourselves and um it was uh, you had to edit in camera you know there was no post-production involved so like especially when it came to soundtrack uh soundtracking the film uh what we have to do is like you know, do you remember the days of polyphonic ringtones that you used yeah. to trade yeah, yeah, yeah. over the phones? We'd have to hold up the one of our mobile phones to the side of the camera. And then like when the shot cut, we'd have to cut the song at the exact same time in the phone, move the camera to the next angle and then press play at the same time so that the song would continue. Uh, like it was just a natural film but um yeah we made lots of really really embarrassing we we basically generated on mass this kind of content that um will still probably come to bite us in the arse you know uh, and has has done so at 21st <laughs> birthdays and right. you know anniversaries it's always gets dragged out and it's it's uh, it's very embarrassing but i mean it is a sort of a nice uh, early indication that you know, uh, there was something that we found and we happened upon that we were quite passionate about um, without there being like a solid reason for that. And that's so when it came to kind of deciding in college or um, going into college and wondering kind of what what I was going to do or what I was going to kind of uh, how I was going to present myself to the universe. Uh, I remembered those days um, with my brother and my friend Joseph and how much fun was involved and how much collaboration was involved in putting together something and just using your imaginations and letting it run wild. And that's, for me, that's when the, the journey began. Well, you mentioned there working with your brother and in the early days, that's how you got into it all. And, and now he's the other half of your partnership, creative partnership, working on projects together. What, what's that like, both having a long-term creative partner, but that being your brother as well? Yeah, I mean, like we're in each other's pockets um, all the time. We have the same friends. We're the same age and we work together and we uh, share a family. So it's um, it's a lot like a marriage in some ways, you know, (laughs) it's it's um, you have to know how to not get on, um, which I think is the most important thing, because I think, you know, stuff like partnerships like this sometimes do tend to fall apart when you're with a friend because there is always that pressure on you to be having fun all the time or for it to be enjoy an enjoyable experience but I think you have that we have that advantage as brothers that you know we're not constantly trying to make it fun all the time so there are days that are just like that are shit and you know that there's just a bit of a slog or there's days where he's in a mood or I'm in a mood and we just kind of know how to 
be in a low as well as being in a medium as well as being in a high together and yeah. that's really that's that's kind of that's the most important thing i don't want to sound like i'm i've got all the answers either i mean we're still two blokes in our 20s but that's how we've hit an equilibrium to date and we work really well together because i mean you know we're best friends and um we're creative partners as well and uh we trust each other you know there's there's all there's it's it it's never occurs to either of us that um one of us is going to go behind the other's back and we can be honest with each other in a way that's can be you know tough sometimes but really important when you've when you're kind of in a creative partnership and you're chasing goals together so how does that work practically then obviously you're both very creative and will have your own ideas and you've now worked on a lot of short films and produced feature films together but from your perspective as a writer and director what are you looking for in a story and how do you know something that you've got hold of that and you can take that See your brother and like, okay, this is something that we're both going to want to work on. Or is there a, yeah. is there a little bit of back and forth in terms of jumping on a project that you're both going to be interested in or does it come organically? Well, our natural state of working together is he's a composer. He's, he's a musician and a, com- uh, a score composer. So that's what his passion is. Um, mine would be slightly different in that I, my interest lies with the writing um in the writing departments but also working with actors so directing um and then we both produce so we both kind of formulated a situation now where we're both trying to drive creative projects together so we've accepted that we do need to label ourselves as creative producers whereas that's that hasn't necessarily always been um our preferred role um, or our imagined role, but we just realized that in order, to, we, you do need to kind of be your own producer until you find somebody who you can trust, who is better at doing that than you are. Because otherwise you just end up having to redo all the stuff that is not done properly. And the moment, because we're quite a small outfit, we just it just makes sense for us to both produce. Um, but uh, that's how we work together. You know, he thinks in sound and I think in uh, images. Well, you rebranded relatively recently for your creative partnership. Was that part of that outlook of looking to be creative producers and being able to get stuck into more projects that you lead rather than, as you say, maybe putting yourself just in one avenue and then you not be able to get as many projects off the ground? Absolutely. I mean, more the whole rebrand was about placing ourselves at the center of the company in a way that seems like people don't like to talk to organizations people like to talk to people and we were titled morgan creative and for us it always sounded a bit corporate you know because we did a lot of corporate video work like yourselves and but we just we figured that if we want to sort of it's a good opportunity to maybe change direction a little bit and to do things that um we're passionate about now um not that we didn't really appreciate all the lessons and all the sort of experience we gleaned from running a corporate video videography company. I mean, you learn so much about running a company and not being a full-time job in and of itself, regardless of what you're in business to do. But um, we've decided that we really want to take um, a leap of faith now and um, chase our dreams, our childhood dreams, which is basically to just create, find opportunities to create interesting um, content that's artistic, and do that with our friends, you know, the people we love, the, the pack that we've gathered and run with for, you know, nearly 10 years now. Um, so that's that's what this is about. And Morgan Brothers, we found just kind of, um, it encapsulates that this is about people, it's about us, um, and that it's not, you know, it's not a bunch of corporate minions. It's like it's two lads who are trying to, you know, do something quite exciting and uh, do what they always want to do since they were kids plus it sounds like warner brothers so that's the real reason <laughs> there you go yeah, we got to the bottom of it eventually yeah yeah, yeah. all but, that other stuff i said was bullshit <laughs> i'll cut that i'll cut that I don't. in practice what does that look like then obviously you're writing you are coming up with projects that you want to develop yourself scripts you want to work on but also in terms of collaborating with others and looking for other opportunities out there that you as Morgan Brothers can be involved with. Yeah. Are you actively looking for other opportunities that don't necessarily start with you, but you think you can contribute to? Or is everything you're looking to do is, as you said, your group of creatives you've worked with over the last 10 years, are you thinking, okay, now how can I come up with something that can drive us all forward even further? 
No, no, we've got um, a bit of both. Like, you know, so we're developing a feature film at the moment um, that's really originated from Jake and I. We've been working on this for a couple of years and we are both the writers of this, actually. For the first time, we've collaborated from a writing point of view. Um, and that's because the film is about, it's called Froggy, that's the working title. And mm -hmm. it's about two brothers who are trying and failing to achieve their artistic dreams. And so it's not semi-autobiographical at all. Um, but it's about <laughs> it, that's essentially what it's about. So it, it that it makes sense for us to com combine our our efforts and because it you know we're really interested in telling stories that come from the heart you know and this one does come from the heart. So we think it's it was important that both of us it originated from both of us and that we were telling a story that only we could tell essentially you know and that was very aligned with our perspective and our experience in in the world. Um. um but we also love working with new people as well. So like we're, we have the fabulous opportunity to work with a, a very talented um, American composer and filmmaker called Kurt Rosenberg. He has, he found my brother on Twitter, Jake, um, and basically got in touch with him. Um, uh, cold email said, look, love what you do, want to work together. And that started us on a journey together um, creatively, which is continuing to this day and looks as though it's going to thankfully continue long into the future. So we're developing a musical stage musical now with Kurt um, the one that he's been working on for 25 years called For the Lack of Laura. Um, now, I know this podcast is more about filmmaking, so uh, but I just wanted to mention that there are other film projects in the mix there as well. Kurt is always one for coming up with great ideas um and he's he's a similar kindred spirit you know he's always just wants to do fun creative cool stuff with the people he loves and we're privileged to be counted among those people now um like uh, likewise we've got a, a film that we're developing with a very talented novelist called jonathan cullen who's based in the united states as well and then we've got something in the very early stages of development where with a company in Portugal and um, hopefully down the line we'll be adding Brazil, a Brazilian company as a partner on that film as well. So like we, we, we recently had the experience to go to Nepal and team up with a Nepali production company to make something. And that's just really something that we're trying to do again. We, we love the idea of, of creative uh, co-development, creative co-production co across nations with uh, like-minded people in different countries. I mean, that's 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 a that, those are opportunities that we really want to chase and we want to kind of bring to fruition but like with anything you know we we tend to have a lot kind of in development at any one time and knowing of course that these all of these things are more unlikely to happen than they are likely to happen yeah. but that you know you can't you, sometimes the flints strike and you you get you get fire yeah absolutely i like that mindset it's, it's a great reason to try a lot of different approaches because sometimes you think the one that's actually going to be the surefire win doesn't turn out happening and something that was just a passing idea catches a, a lot of momentum very quickly and before exactly. you know it you're into something yeah. and from what you said there in terms of the collaboration with different production companies worldwide but with different ideas especially with the american guy you said you reached out who reached out to your brother i suppose what we were talking about just then about the rebrand and placing yourselves at the center of the company the collective, who you are, that makes it more personable for people to think, oh, I want to collaborate with these specific individuals rather than this production company. So mm. I very much like that approach. And this just takes me on to a question I wanted to ask, and it ties into what you said you were working on at the moment of the, the film, which has got a, a semi-autobiographical element to it. But a lot of what you've produced in the films that you've released in the past do have a very personal element to them. There's a lot of emphasis as well on your local culture, Irish culture, um, historical elements as well, and, and the Irish language. And it's something that runs through a lot of the, the work of yours that I've watched. Is that something that's important to you? And it's something that you consciously want in your work, that's something that feels personal and has that um, feel of, of the culture that you want to be part of and push into your art? Yeah, I mean, personally speaking, that's a great question. Um, personally speaking, I think um, what interests me or where I'm, my interests lie and what really excites me is that intersection between the truth um, and fiction, you know? So, I mean, I was on a, I, I had the great opportunity to be on a, a, a course 
run by the Putnam Scholars, uh, David Putnam, who's an Oscar winning producer. Um, I got an opportunity to go on with Screen Skills Ireland um, to this uh, course. And he said something to me which really struck me as and it resonated with me. And that's like the future of the moving image for him, where the excitement lies is in that line between, you know, fact and fiction. And that's mm-hmm. something that I always try and bring into our work is like, where you know flirting with that line a little bit like so with the short film that um, you mentioned uh, um the one that we met over uh, in Worcester uh, Peggy that's a film about our grandmother um now it's my grandmother is getting on she's uh, she's going to die soon i mean we're all going to die at one point um sorry this has got very morbid all of a sudden but sure. uh, my <laughs> i had this idea of um for a film where my grandmother uh meets the grim reaper and uh, it's quite a cryptic idea, but, I, you know, we're Irish. We have quite a dark sense of humor. And my family in particularly has a, has a, a dark sense of humor. And but the, the nub in it for me or the interesting part for me was that she unhoods the Grim Reaper as part of this film. And it turns out to be her late husband, my grandfather, Jerry, who has passed away. And she gets a precious few moments with her 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 late husband before she passes on um and that's for me was an exciting idea and so i cast my grandmother in the role as herself and we cast um my uncle paul as his father um my grandfather jerry so that experience then became quite profound because we, i was using I was working with these real people in my family who I love dearly and who love me to say something, um, but just bending the truth or sort of dipping one toe into surreality in order to make it interesting for, you know, a, like a, a, an audience that doesn't know who we are. Um, but to, to, to use that means of kind of excavating a sort of a, a deeper truth uh, or to say something kind of um, to say effectively i love you you know to the people who were involved in making the film and so uh, i'm very proud of the film because when i watch it i get emotional because i remember making it and i remember there's a bit at the end where you know um my granny gets to dance with her husband again and we had this you know you, you, when you're making a film as you know marcus like you, you're kind of fixated about the technical aspects of it so i wanted this like light and the smoke and you know it for it to be very heavenly and, and atmospheric so you're fixated with kind of setting that up. But then when you call action and the action rolls and you're watching your grandmother kind of dancing with uh, who we've imagined to be via his son, her late husband, and they're dancing in this otherworldly light, you do have a moment where you kind of remember why it is you wrote this in the first place. And it becomes quite an emotional and profound experience for everybody in the crew. And like I remember having to excuse myself after we got that shot and I was all kind of trying to be the the big boy director and say, oh, guys, look, this is what we're doing for the next shot. You know, we're going to get set up. And then I I, I went to find a, a quiet room where I could just let my emotion out because I was I was yeah. I was feeling very emotional. And in that room, I found one of my best friends, Yvette Peak, who was the production designer of the film. And she, unbeknownst to me, had done the same. She had given her instructions to yeah. the other crew about what she wanted to set up. Uh, she'd gone into this room to to cry effectively and and she looked at me and I looked at her and then we both held each other and cried. And it was like it was so that that's I'm gone up on a tangent a little bit, but I, I, I really love personally trying to find those moments, trying to get to those kind of larger than life uh, emotional moments in a film. And I love what gives me adrenaline is like trying to find a way to kind of uh, use the real life players in the make-believe in a way that's kind of interesting. So this film that we're working on at the moment, it does sort of tie in with that with that concept and that sort of motivation because it's a film about two brothers who used to um, play with toys. And that's very much how Jake and I started. So it's a film about us and it's a, about our relationship. And we're honest with one another about you know what what we want to do with it but it's a it's an excavation tool to try and get it's not it's what i like to say is like it's not it's not true but it's the truth and that's that's the stuff i love that's the those are the films that i love and i love other people who manage to do things like that as well it really excites me as a viewer 
and something you can only really do via film and that situation that you described there that you've set up through your writing and obviously the production of the film is something very uniquely special that you wouldn't necessarily be able to recreate in such a way in any other walk of life and i think that's the endless power of film obviously for the audience but for the filmmaker as well it's a an ongoing journey of how you can explore your own life and relationships with yeah i mean i think you know there's every so often a film comes along that really reminds you that reaches into the void and just reminds you of what it is like to be alive you know and that those those are the films that I really take my inspiration from. So I mean, the top of the list, Cinema Paradiso, the Italian film, um, Giuseppe Tornatore. I probably butchered the pronunciation of his name, but I mean, that's whenever I kind of feel like I'm losing touch and I'm I, I feel like I'm involved in a project for for the money or for you know the a cool idea, but I'm losing. I feel like I'm losing touch with just kind of getting to that beauty i'll watch cinema paradiso and i'll i'll get to that final scene where he sits down and he looks at all the the bits that um alfredo has cut out the down through the years as he was a kid all the moments of beauty in the film stitched together and and it just really it's like okay this you know that's why we're here that's what we're trying to do we're trying to which I, you know, my life goal is is basically trying to create a moment like that and and for somebody that I don't know, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and I fully get that, and I I've always enjoyed hearing you speak about that because that passion I absolutely share of what is achievable for, through film and what it can make both you feel and make the audience feel as well, and absolutely. Mm. Uh, Peggy and the Grimms, that is a very powerful film. After I watched it, I remember um, feeling like, okay, the premise alone, I think, was unbelievably clever, but the um, the execution of it was fantastic. So, as you say, being able to get those family elements through, but have that emotion running throughout it was is something that, uh, yeah, I always like to see captured in a film, and that's a great example of it. Which brings me on nicely to uh, a film that you've just finished and gone through production the bolts um mm. could you tell a bit about that because you touched upon earlier going to nepal to film that and it sounded like an amazing story of how you got into production in that but also the story that you developed for the script for the film yeah of course so we got a wonderful opportunity by way of the mission town leprosy to work with the charity in order to bring a true story to the screen so the boat is based on a true story it's a harrowing story about a young girl called Dukia who basically was contracted leprosy um, relatively recently. You know, people, when they hear leprosy, think it's a, it's a disease of Bible times, but it's still very much out there. Um, Dukia, a young girl, contracted leprosy and was brought, was walked for three days by her father to a hospital, um, left there. He told her he would return to get her and then he never returned now i just think that's that story when i heard it completely broke my heart it moved yeah. me um and it it was like i mean i don't want to uh, get too sycophantic here but i mean it definitely did strike me as like how is this how is this happening like you know mm-hmm. in this day and age so um Dukia obviously uh was cured of leprosy because leprosy is very curable and treatable um the, the cure for leprosy was actually invented in Ireland. So um, that's where the Mission Town Leprosy, the charity, is based and headquartered. Oh, okay. um, so that's how we got involved. Um, I wrote a script kind of inspired by this story. I sent it to uh, Ken Gibson at the Mission Town Leprosy, and he basically said, let's let's try and make this happen. Um, so it, COVID got in the way, but we eventually got, um, we got the means together to bring a team a small team out to nepal and then team up with a nepali production company and um, to bring this to life this story to life um now dukia went on to thrive and um, was cured of leprosy so every story has a has a happy ending but i mean it always struck me as a very interesting story to tell from the perspective of the father because actually when you dig deeper you might think okay that's on the surface a very heartless thing how could a father abandon his daughter like that but actually in when you find out more about the father you realize that okay they lived in a very very rural part of nepal there was four other children in his family 
Um, so he effectively, his community and communities like that, sometimes they, they look upon leprosy as a curse. Um, and if you're in a situation where you have to choose between, you know, saving one of your daughter or sacrificing one of your daughters to save the other four, I mean, you, you get into the territory um, um, where of imagining how difficult that decision is and how unfathomable it is to have to even be in a situation where you have to make that decision. So um, so we basically teamed up with this this production company in Nepal. We cast it locally. And we worked with um, uh, we worked with them to bring it to life, um, and now it's finished. Um, it's scored. It's all the sound is done on it, and we are we've submitted it to a film festival. So we're trying to kind of secure a premiere for that at the moment um, in on the film festival uh, circuit. So it's a very exciting position to be in, and um, we hope that we can do the hard work that everybody brought to the project justice by landing it somewhere quite exciting and, you know, getting us all a, you know, a day out to basically watch it on the big screen together. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, the story alone is very powerful and something that runs through the films that you've produced over the years, that very strong emotive story that runs through. But mm. one thing that captures me as well is the production element of it because visually it's a a stunning setting and it's an amazing location that you you film it across but what was that like to film somewhere totally different to what you'd be used to day to day and like you said the whole covid situation mixed in there but i'm specifically going abroad to shoot something that you've just come up with an idea for written a script sent that off and someone's jumped and be like yes let's make this happen obviously there's a big jump then from writing something like that and then taking the step to going producing it so what was that process like oh it was a dream come true i mean we you know um i live for those moments you know it's like we were at dublin airport myself finn lachica yvette my brother jake bradley um and we were heading out on the adventure of of a lifetime which was going to be a month in nepal we didn't you know there was a lot of fear and there was a lot of kind of uncertainty around uh, how it was all going to go but um there was an intense excitement as well um and we when we got there yeah nepal is just a stunning country the people are so calm um kathmandu is manic but um we just had a total ball. The food was amazing. Um, the scenery was spectacular. There was very little that we needed to do in order to enhance what was just already there in in, in abundance. And I mean, credit to our cinematographer Lakshika Sarasin. He he really made those colors pop, and yeah. he really yeah. captured the magic of Nepal on on um, on screen and the actors. Um, Sri Ram Dahal and his daughter Teju. They were a real life father and daughter combo. So that was very emotional for them as well. Um, and Dinesh and Manood, the two lads from Sutra Media Works that were helping us um, on the ground there. Like it, it was really just an experience of a lifetime. We nearly drowned in quicksand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which, <is> unideal. <laughs> which um, was, I mean, it was all about getting the shot in that moment. And I made a very foolish decision uh game time decision to cross an estuary which looked quite shallow because the light was failing we had a boat on fire i'm not going to get into it because it sounds cool if i don't (laughs) um (laughs) but uh, effectively jake and i nearly and lash nearly nearly drowned we got caught badly in quicksand we had to be pulled out and um but you know we were very focused on getting the shot. We got the shot and then it was only on the, on the, the van in the van on the way home where we kind of realized how serious the situation was, you know? Yeah. Um, but these are stories that we'd be able to tell now for the rest of our life. And, um, you know, that's, that's all part of the excitement. I'll be chasing that high for the rest of my life. for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You got the <laughs> shot. That's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. in terms of being a director on service, so you've written this, but then you're on location directing, highly emotive story what are you focusing on to make sure that the emotion of this story is being translated to the viewer what are you trying to do to ensure that that can come across on the camera it was tricky i'm not gonna lie i don't speak nepali and the actors didn't speak any english so i mean how do you direct two leading actors in an emotive uh 
sense without having the capacity to communicate with one another verbally. Um, and it wasn't a big team. It was a small boutique film film crew. So um, we had to depend. But I, but actually, you'd be surprised, you know, and I was surprised at how much can be communicated without words, you know. And, you know, Sri Ram Dahal, the, the lead actor, and his, and his daughter, Teju, um, they're just consummate professionals. So, I mean, they... You know, a lot of the time, I a lot of very little direction was necessary for me. I really didn't do a lot because we'd get to the end of a take. I'd call cut. I'd I'd look at I'd look at them and it'd be in a glance. It'd be in the glance. If there was a take that didn't go well, he you know they'd know it already. And I you know I'd give a little hand motion and I'd make a a facial expression and they'd instantly understand what I'd have in mind. So. Um, so to be honest, uh, we'd have been lost without the the two actors because they were just fantastic and so so talented and brilliant. Um, and then you know it's all about the the team element as well. When you don't have a huge film crew and you can't you know mold the landscape to your liking, you just have to sort of allow yourself. You have to over plan and then just go with the flow. Like you have to allow yourself to um you know be uh to have those moments of spontaneity inflicted upon you and see them not as hindrances but as opportunities and then it's great when it goes well everybody is like oh my god that was genius and you can be like i know <laughs> that was all me um and when it doesn't go well you can just leave it on the cutting floor you know yeah. cutting room floor and nobody gets to see it <laughs> but it's kind of giving yourself that room to play around once you're in there like what you said there's like over planning but that then allows you to play around once you're there Um, and I think a lot of people assume with anything creative that it's the opposite you're just going in and doing things on a whim but by actually doing that excessive amount of planning and thinking about different circumstances you you give yourself that opportunity to play around with things once you're there yeah in terms sorry sorry, carry on. on No, I was just going to move on to something, but you, you carry on. I usually won't work with storyboards for that, for, for this reason, because like, I think storyboards kind of create a stick. They turn, they reduce the actors who are, you know, um, intelligent storytellers themselves to sort of that of a stick person um, that is to be moved around or a, a part of the furniture. So I, I, you know, when, when I was less secure as a director, I would be doing storyboards and I'd be turning up and I'd have a plan and I'd be ready to go yeah. on set. And I'd, you know, I, I would be terrified of kind of not knowing the answer to a question. But I think as I get old, as I'm getting older and I'm getting more experience as a director, I'm more, it, it, that what that means for me in a tangible sense is just being more comfortable with saying the words, I don't know. Or let's try this because there's everybody. What I've learned is that everybody is there who's there wants to contribute. You know, they want to contribute to make it better. And if you're going to come in and just want to do things your way all the all the time, you know, that's that's going to work to sometimes and it'll work to a point. But you'll miss those moments of genuine brilliance that other people might give you, you know, because you so. I don't really like working with storyboards. I like better kind of to go in with a sense of what the now drive cinematographers crazy because you know <laughs> it's like you turn up and you're like they're like how do you want to shoot this and I'm like I don't really know you know let's yeah, yeah, yeah. let's rehearse it and see so um because I was working with Lakshika for the first proper time as a cinematographer we did do storyboards and um but you know because we had invested all that time in advance uh, for the creative vision I was very much able to just let him you know leave him to his own devices he he knew what we were doing he knew what he was doing and he was very calm and he was able to capture all of those things and it let me focus on what i love doing most which is to work with the actors mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i can see that and um as you say but it might frustrate a few of the uh cinematographers but it gives yeah. you that ability to play <laughs> around with different shots things you like have that. to be but you have to be open to compromise so before the film i was like i'm never going to use storyboards again but, you know, Lakshka was like, I would prefer we use storyboards. So you have to be able to be like, look, park your ego. You know, this is how this is going to work. And it worked out really well because um, just Lakshka was able to do his best work then as well. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of future plans, then you've mentioned films that you're working on and um, what you're looking to get going, including the musical you mentioned. Uh, but what drives you now to go to the next step? Do you think, 
okay, there's a bigger challenge I want to achieve or is it I want to do more of the same and find a niche in an area? What drives you then to move forward as a filmmaker and in other creative areas as the next step after, let's say, your latest release? What's really driving, if I'm totally honest, what's really driving is everything, is like just the the sense of excitement of um, the Nepal film um, and uh that that opportunity to go to another country with as i said people we love and do creative cool fun things that mean something you know they're not it's not just car chases it's like this (laughs) this it did feel like we were doing something meaningful you know um so that's really like you know i wake up in the morning and i try and think in some way my to-do list is formulated off the back of like how do we engineer that situation again like how do we engineer a situation where i can be traveling to dublin airport on the bus to meet with yvette and finn and lakshka and my brother uh, or i can be sitting on a plane and i could look left and i could see you know people i love beside me um to go and do something kind of meaningful um that's that's what that's what's driving a lot of the you know the creativity um at the moment and then it's just sort of i don't know connecting there's always the inherent buzz of the journey you know just before everything's done just the the working with people new people on just making stuff out of nothing i think it takes i mean i don't think it's conceited to say that it it, i think it takes a lot of courage to do that i think it's very easy to to kind of look at something and uh, critique it but it's not easy to put yourself on the line and to create something out of nothing. And um, I'm just really glad to be aligned with other people who are like that, like Kurt, like Jonathan, like um, Jake. Um, and, you know, I, and I hope that I can continue to find those people and create stuff with them. And just the element you say there of the project being meaningful, the message being meaningful, does it give it that extra by yeah it's extra satisfaction because with the boat as you said it was a a true story that you heard of adapted but then you've created this in line with the organization for a positive cause is that something Mm. that added more to that project and is that what you're referring to when you say you're looking at doing something similar like that where you can through your art and expression and creativity you can do something that not just promotes a positive cause, but has a message that is meaningful and can, as I say, give positivity out there. But I don't want to come across like I have a savior complex or anything. Like it's yeah. not always <laughs> a charity thing. It's it's meaning in for me. It's kind of like that. Um, it's the Peggy. It's the like, what yeah. do I care about? Like you know, what what is important to me, and how do we work that in? How do we work that into a project in a way that doesn't feel didactic or sort of exclusive or obscure to people who might know me or know myself and Jake, um, but can imbue uh, what we're doing with a palpable sense of like love and excitement? Um, Because that's, I think that is, you can't, you know, when you see something truly brilliant, I think, like a film, um that's made with love and got has gusto uh or that's angry like you know do the right thing by spike lee is a good example of like how you can just convert anger into mad creative energy and he, he can it's an energy thing you can feel mm-hmm. that hopping from this from the screen and that's that's the work that i'm really i really want to make you know that's is is work that like really just hums and vibrates with a sense of like you know, angst and um, confusion and uh, pain and love. You know, because mm-hmm. that's that's all we're doing as creatives. You know, if you're if you're creating anything, you're it's an act of screaming into the void and that sense of frustration that the void only echoes back your own voice. And that's what it is to be a, alive. And I love that literature for that reason. You know, I love. I love um, being reminded that I'm not the only person who has all these 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 sensations and these questions. Yeah, and I think that's a very powerful and uh, great reason to keep creating and trying to find a way to push forward because I think 
a lot of people from the outside and the inside as well presume that the next film is there to be how can we go bigger how can we go better how can we find the external rewards for this but the most powerful of the rewards are the ones that are intrinsic to themselves as you say the ones that actually make you feel and make other people feel and actually feel like they have a purpose for what you've created so i think absolutely yeah keep going down that avenue because it's uh taking to you taking you to good places so far just one final thing i want to ask about because i'm i'm really intrigued what you mentioned in passing about the musical that you're working on Mm. what what does that look like to create from obviously perspective of a filmmaker i know you don't you don't just write and direct films but what's that process like from a creative perspective to put together and how does it differ from let's say pulling a film together very similar actually you know especially before you get on set or on stage it's it's you're having the same kind of conversations you know you're trying you're looking at a script you're trying to make it the best it can be uh, this has a heavy musical um component and that's it so it should it's a musical but i mean you know that's that plays to our strengths as a company because uh, as i said we're a partnership a 50 50 partnership one of us thinks in music and sound and the other one thinks in you know script writing and imagery so you know a musical is actually the perfect project for us because it's like it it does lead with um it you know it it like it gives jake the opportunity to really bring an equal amount of clout to the table okay um and take the lead with with a a project um because you know because if i'm directing a film sometimes it, it might seem rather unfairly and deceptively that you know i'm you know driving something um when that's not the case um whereas with the musical it's very much the other way around you know so it's good for the equilibrium of us as as uh, as partners to to be working on different things you know some things that are very music heavy and other things that are very writing heavy and directing heavy so um so yeah so we're really excited to be working with kurt rosenberg as i said um on the for the lack of laura which is his brainchild. Um, so Jake and I have been helping with uh, the, the physical script. Kurt has come up with the story and he's invented the story and he's written all the songs. Jake is orchestrating the songs and um, is I, I'm helping out with the lyrics uh, for the songs. Um, but our, our company, Morgan Brothers, is, is, is going to produce um, this uh, this musical for next year we're, we're looking at dates in 2024 so and um, we're excited to uh, announce officially what the plan will be but at the moment lots of really exciting conversations happening around that and as i said it's 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 uh, a pure pleasure to just change lanes slightly you know when you get a bit bogged down with or you hit a wall in one art form to be able to go to the other and um and sort of get a small bit of a break, but still do something that is really creative uh, and entails working together. Yeah, amazing. Love it. Sounds very exciting. And this is what I like chatting about as well, even though film's the, the starting point for all these conversations, obviously it all ties in together and there's a lot more to it that it brings out. But that's it. I think we'll wrap up there because I've thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. Luke, thank you for uh, yeah. giving me an insight into your process, what you've been working on as well. I always like hearing about um how you approach films and what they mean to you as well because it's something that i feel very passionate about so it's great to see that there's people out there doing it for the right reasons as well and i look forward to seeing uh, what else you're working on yeah thanks so much marcus it's been a pleasure um appearing on the the film club and um i'm really excited to hopefully see you guys in worcester this year absolutely and and best yeah. of luck of um going in for your third director in a row or uh, look, <laughs> we haven't heard back from them they might decide that uh the, the the schedule is too full for us at the moment um which would be very understandable because obviously they've they're growing as a festival and they are getting no doubt more and more entries in and the, the standard last year was incredibly high so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a pleasure to be involved uh, the previous two years but by, by no means do i take it as a sort of a free pass um for this year so but look all things going well uh, my fingers are crossed that i'll be seeing yourselves and hendrick um back at worcester uh, this year in 2023 Absolutely. Well, best of luck and best of luck at all the other film festivals as well. I look forward to hopefully being able to see it on the big screen. Absolutely. All right, Marcus. Thank you very much. See you later. And there we have it. That was my conversation with Luke Morgan. I don't know about you all, but I absolutely love that chat. Luke's been involved in some amazing projects 
And he always seems to be thinking about what he can work on next and not just necessarily from a practical standpoint, but what direction creatively he can push forward into. How can he top what he's worked on? How can he build on that? And I think that type of mindset is something I always connect with and feel excited by. And it's great to see someone actually doing it, going out there, putting his ideas into practice, collaborating with his brother, working together in the way that they do, in the way they describe, which I think is really inspirational, but going producing fantastic films, but always looking for that next project. And that's the itch of the filmmaker and the creative, and we, we love to see it in practice. And I love that notion of pursuing a project because it's meaningful and the subject matter resonates with him. And that's something to aspire towards, not just producing something because you think, oh, someone will watch this. Oh, it will get me somewhere. It has to resonate with Luke. That's the impression I get from speaking to him is that he connects with an idea or a project because it's meaningful to him and he wants to work on that, not necessarily with the next step in mind, but because that project is something he wants to get involved with. And I think as a result, you get that purity through his films and something that has raw emotion in it connects and feels like a complete piece of art and that's something if you can achieve that as a filmmaker is a pretty magical thing to be able to pull off and for those of you wondering it was mentioned in our chat but since recording Luke's latest film The Bolt has been selected for Worcester Film Festival 2023 so he will be able to go and attempt to retain his crown of best director for the third year in a row I wish him all the luck in the world let's see if he can keep that 100% record up best of luck Luke we'll see how he gets on in October of course, very excited to see what Luke and his brother are going to release in the coming years as well. Just watching his back catalogue and the latest releases and hearing what else they're working on just makes me very excited to see those releases, knowing there's going to be some fantastic films put out there into the world. We'll, of course, put any relevant links in the description of this podcast so you can check out their work. You can hit them up on Instagram as well, Morgan underscore bros, where they share updates of everything they've been up to what they've been uh, nominated for what they're sharing out there any awards they've been to and uh, most importantly there's a link to their website on their morganbrothers.ie where you can find the whole back catalogue of their creative output if you want to check them out there's a lot worth watching or just reading into check out a bit of luke's poetry as well there's plenty to get stuck into there which will uh, keep you entertained and intrigued for a long time but that's that I've waffled on for quite a while there, sharing my views and excitement, as I always do. I love these episodes, speaking to other creative individuals, sharing their passion, their interests, how they got into it all and what they have planned for the future. And there are plenty more great guests lined up in the coming weeks and months. There'll, of course, be more reviews. We now roll into this new series hard, as well as the conversation episodes. Callum will be there with me, diving into more reviews of new and old films. So don't worry, they'll all be there. Get onto our Instagram as well, if you're not already, at the Glace Film Club. Share with us what you'd like to see, what you thought of the films that we reviewed, or just have a little chat. We're always up for a chat. We're nice, guys open for a little conversation so drop us a message get in touch and we're there on instagram and very cheeky request if you don't mind if you enjoyed all of that please give us a review on apple Podcasts or spotify help spread the love share the word and grow the glass a film club to get more and more people involved with the conversation but until next time that was another episode of the glass a film club podcast i'll see you all later